And that is what we experience in transcendental meditation when we transcend, when we go beyond the surface level of thinking. Now, this state can stay with us all the time, and that we call higher state of consciousness, which is cosmic consciousness, in which we are always aware of ourselves, yet aware of the environment also. We have also God consciousness and unity consciousness, in which we know that everything is consciousness, but these are higher values. Viewers, uh, we saw in part one, a philosophical conversation with Dr. Nader, uh, about uh, different ideas on consciousness, on uh, you know determination, uh, determinism, free will, uh, uh, where things come from, uh, you know all, all of that in the Vedic context. So uh, welcome back, uh, Dr. Nader, for the second session. Uh, I would like to build on it and take the conversation further into the, uh, topics like artificial intelligence. Uh, I, I would love to do that with you in this session. Beautiful. We can do that. It's great. So, so you know, I wrote a book on uh, artificial intelligence and the future of power uh, and five battlegrounds. And one of the things that I, one of the things I discuss in that book is the difference between artificial intelligence and artificial consciousness. And, and here is my view, and I want your comment on it. Uh, for a machine to be intelligent, it doesn't have to be conscious. A car, a car is not conscious, but it can do. It can replace the job of an intelligent driver. Uh, a drone can do uh, intelligent work. Uh, facial recognition can very intelligently differentiate people uh, without being conscious. So, the if you look at the experience as first person, second person, and third person. First person is my experience of myself. I'm Rajiv, I have a self. I've experienced myself, who I am kind of idea. It could be as an ego, it could be as a higher consciousness, but this idea of some kind of a sense of self is there. Maybe it's a small I, big I, whatever, but there is some kind of a sense. Second person is I and you, like I'm talking to you and we are, whether we are physically next to each other or separated by Zoom, uh, the point is we're having a second person conversation. I'm talking to you as you. Third person is when I'm referring to some entity, but not talking to it. So if I were looking at your website, I wouldn't be talking to it. I would be reading about it. I would be reading about you rather than talking to you. So that's third person referring to an object. It could be a human being that has been objectified. It could be nature. It could be physics. It could be whatever. Concepts are third person. All conceptual thinking is third person. So if you if you differentiate human experience as first person, second person, and third person, then I would submit that artificial intelligence replicates the human experience in the second and third person, does not require the machine to have a first person ex existence. It does not require the machine to say, I am, uh, I am this machine, because the machine is incapable of having an experience of itself. So, so in that sense, the machine, no matter how intelligent it is and how much work it can do better than human intelligence, it's still not conscious. So I separate consciousness, artificial consciousness, which nobody has produced yet. And whether it can be produced or not is the topic of my conversation. I want to discuss it with you. But that 
there is no need for artificial consciousness to have artificial intelligence. And, you know, this has fooled a lot of people because I see a lot of uh, our Vedic people also who are, I mean, I don't want to name, but who go around saying that uh, machines can never be replacing human beings because they're not conscious. The point is that to replace a human driver, the machine doesn't have to be conscious. To replace a pilot, the drone doesn't have to be conscious. So unconscious intelligence, and I use that term, unconscious intelligence, it can be extremely powerful. And so, there is, so while, while consciousness is of a different kind altogether, because consciousness means being having self-existence, having a sense of selfhood, being. being. So I, I, I differentiate in this book beings and algorithms. The intelligence is algorithms, and the algorithm doesn't have to be a being. It doesn't have to have a sense of selfhood. It doesn't need to be conscious. It can be an unconscious algorithm. It can do its job. So, you know, an electron runs according to some algorithm, but it is not a conscious thing. So what do you think of this as a differentiation between consciousness and artificial intelligence? And then I can build on it and discuss some more. It really becomes a question of definition in this case. You know, we, if we define a cutoff point at which we call it consciousness and below which we say it is not consciousness, then of course this is completely uh, accurate and perfectly describes the reality. So we can call it like many philosophers and scientists they, of, of mind, they call it meta-consciousness, which means I am aware of being aware, for example. I am aware of myself, I know myself. So it's a, it's a self-representation rather than phenomenal, pure phenomenal consciousness, which means the sense of experiencing something. So many thinkers would put the cutoff line in terms of what consciousness is at one level or another. So, you know, human consciousness uh, of meta-consciousness, being conscious of oneself, being conscious of being conscious, being conscious of future events and planning, being conscious of belonging, etc., to a society of knowing, you know, the laws of nature. These are on a higher level of consciousness. So you can have also being consciousness of the self, which is never lost to you. So when you transcend, for example, you experience that pure consciousness, which we have described briefly in the previous episode, and in which we said there is that silent, pure being, pure consciousness that is completely the source of everything, total infinity and boundedness. That is what we experience in transcendental meditation when we transcend, when we go beyond the surface level of thinking. Now, this state can stay with us all the time, and that we call higher state of consciousness, which is cosmic consciousness, in which we are always aware of ourselves, yet aware of the environment also. We have also God consciousness and unity consciousness in which we know that everything is consciousness, but these are higher values. So I completely agree, of course, with you in terms of putting the cutoff line at this level. But uh, in my perspective, in the Vedantic Advaita Vedanta perspective, consciousness is really all there is. And in that sense, we can give a lower level of consciousness, which is not self-consciousness, not meta-consciousness, uh, barely just 
phenomenal consciousness, feeling, sensing something, uh, consciousness level, and we can call this also consciousness. So it doesn't contradict at all what you said, but it broadens the definition of consciousness to include sensing and reacting. So when an artificial intelligence senses something, we can say it's a very minimal level of consciousness, yet it is consciousness still without the drone saying, I am the drone and I'm going to be doing this and I'm going to examine that and look at this picture that I'm taking, it's very nice. It cannot do that, but it can actually sense uh, electromagnetic fields, it can sense you know, surface things, and in that sense, uh, we can also call it consciousness. So, you see, there is, there is sensing, which is purely mechanical. Uh, purely mechanical, right. so we could call it reductionism. It's a reductionist view of matter, that matter interacts according to the laws of physics and, uh, uh, you know, light falls and it generates some electrons and things like that happen. So, Sensors, purely mechanical sensors, physical sensors, uh, don't need. Uh, that's a that's a very uh, kind of it's a reductionist mechanistic uh, cause effect uh, within the laws of physics. Uh, whereas sense, sensing in the human sense, in the in the as a living entity, uh, sensing uh, has a a different quality. There is a being who is sensing. There is a, this. There is this being the the same sensing uh, a machine, sen uh, you know, taking an image and recognizing and saying that's Doctor Nader. Uh, a purely mechanical algorithm looking at all the pixels and recognizing, uh, whereas a living being, even not a human being but a dog or any animal, recognizing some shape, uh, the, the the there is a whole being out there. Now uh, the difference is this that. If you, the cutoff I will have, I want to propose is, can the artificial intelligence of silicon, it's a silicon-based algorithm, can it have empathy? Can it have love? Can you, can you do shakti path to a robot? <laughs> can, you, can you initiate a robot and give it transcendence? The answer, of course, is no. Can a robot be doing uh, being the TM teacher because it can say all the things? Can it do Shakti path? Can the robot be the guru? And we can have Amazon marketing iGurus or Apple can be marketing these uh, digital gurus in the future and sending a, a yagna, digital yagna to your house. So you can say, I want to do a yagna and they'll send this robot in a drone. It'll come down and it'll It'll expand, it'll put on its clothes and wear a dhoti and have a turban and whatever. Or you can, we want a, whatever kind of a, a person you want, you can even select and it'll give you, a, a, you know, a human looking person that's not conscious, that is, doesn't have a heart, doesn't have a soul, that doesn't have a, have a sense of empathy and love and, and is not a being. And, and, uh, but it's an algorithm that knows how to sit there and do all the ritual and chant the mantra perfectly better than human beings could chant. But the question is, will it have the effect? Will it have the, will it have the, uh, the effect that uh, 10,000, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, people, 10,000 pundits chanting have? Because if 
the Maharishi effect could be produced simply as a robotic effect. That's a whole different ballgame. So, so, so I'm, I'm, pushing, I'm pushing this envelope with you because, you know, almost a decade ago, I went and gave this talk at uh, Fairfield, Maharishi University. And this is what I asked him. I said, how many of you think that, uh, you know, Shakti Path could be given by a robot? How many of you feel that, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, a robot uh, behaving like a deity is uh, all, that's the deity. And you, you, could, also, you could also have uh, uh, Amazon or eBay send you a, a, a yagna and you can do, perform this ritual, this puja, uh, very mechanically. How, how? So what is missing? What is the quality? What is that thing that is not there in the intelligent entity? That, that, there is, that to me is the, from a spiritual point of view, from a spiritual point of view, rather than purely pragmatic point of view, but from a spiritual point of view, what we have to identify is what is it that thing that the silicon computer kind of robot, no matter how much AI you train, is not going to have which is which require which requires a conscious being, and to me that is sort of the difference between consciousness and intelligence. So, what do you think of this sort of approach? This is the completely true because all these outer effects, I mean, the effects on transforming things from the level of consciousness, we cause chanting and all of that creates an effect, depends on the level of consciousness of the individual, which means not only robots, but also even, you know, if you have a pandit who is uh, busy or worried about some problem and their mind is <clears throat> going around thinking about their problem while they mechanically chant something, uh, it's still pre probably better than a robot, but it is not as good as a pundit who has transcended, who is uh, chanting from the field of pure consciousness. Because when we want to act on a level that is profound and far-reaching, we have to go to the field which is beyond the surface level of uh, vibration and sound and activity, and go to that unified field, which we discussed uh, earlier, uh, that is the source of all that is on the surface and activate that unified field, enliven it from that field of consciousness. Now, a human being has already in their physiology the structures of the dynamics of consciousness as the research I have done under Maharishi's guidance has shown that we are a replica of Veda and we have said in the previous session that Veda is a blueprint uh, of of reality, of the laws of nature, of the physical body also. And so we have within us already the blueprint uh, being expressed on a physical level, and that leads to physical meaning, consciousness in its dynamics on the highest level. And that means when humans do it, there is a very profound difference. There is no question uh, that is not accessible to just a mechanical process that can happen in a robot. Even though the robot, as you say, can be exactly like a human being, can, can talk to you and respond to you as if they feel, as if they react, but they don't feel, they don't have that metacognitive value, that ability to be self-conscious. And particularly, 
as you beautifully mentioned, they don't have the ability to transcend. So to experience that uh, self, that inner pure being from which all the transformation happens, the source of all balance and change. So there is definitely a, a very, very clear difference in those um, phenomena. So, so Dr. Nader, I'm very glad we are, we are having this because I think it's a very fundamental thing. In the earlier episode, we said that consciousness is at many levels. So we can have consciousness as A and consciousness as B. So there's consciousness as person endowed with the Veda inside. Uh, but then there is also consciousness as silicon, uh, you know, right. silicon that can be turned into some uh, chip. And, and the laws of physics can be used to uh, make it into a very mechanical device at the reductionist level. That is consciousness at, behaving at a reductionist level uh, without the free will. Uh, and, and, and that, that, but that is also the manifestation of consciousness. However, that is consciousness as dead matter. It is not even life. So the consciousness as a human uh, and consciousness as a lower life form, like maybe a plant or something or a microbe, and then even lower consciousness as dead matter like silicon, you know, are completely different, even though they are, we say the building blocks are the, the ultimate uh, entity is consciousness, but as it has manifested into some completely different things, the behavior is very different in all of those. So the real issue is, can, are there certain spiritual processes that you and I are familiar with and you and I spent most of our life understanding and practicing uh, things like transcendence, things like, uh, you know, uh, mantra, uh, things like, uh, you know, uh, meditation, things like deities. Are there things that are available to a certain level of consciousness, which is the human level, and not available in principle ever to a robot made out of silicon. Because even though it's consciousness, it doesn't have the Veda built into the silicon. Yeah, we can say that. We can say that. Uh, although, of course, uh, we know that now even robots are... Uh, making choices that are not part of the uh, initial programming or algorithm that they have been programmed to do. So they find solutions uh, that we have not thought of. Uh, and of course it's robotic, but it's still uh, amazing. Uh, some of the readings that I have, you must know more much, of course, where they actually become uh, quite uh, self-sufficient in a sense in learning and growing and making new choices and therefore uh, we don't of course underestimate the ability of robots to uh, to make choices and protect themselves and have a sense of uh, self-maintenance in a sense so, so it I still is not veda it still is not and therefore they will still not have access to that level of consciousness that we humans can have. So I think this is a very important point because I think this is where a large number of AI people uh, have misunderstood uh, the consciousness in the following sense. Yes, machine learning, machine learning uh, can uh, train an algorithm 
to make decisions that the trainers, the humans, humans don't know how it made. But right. the reason for that is not consciousness at all. The reason for that is it's basically a pattern recognition that is looking for, you know, there, there are these engines, there are these AI engines that uh, Google has, the Chinese have, and various people have that have more than a billion parameters. Like, let's say you and I were training a child based on uh, 10 parameters and based on the rules, you know, if the, if the temperature is like this and the weather is like that and this and that, then you wear a jacket, otherwise you don't wear a jacket. So let's say we have a matrix of 10 parameters to make a decision. Okay, now if I tell you that there are these AI machines today with a billion parameters, one billion parameters, humans can't comprehend it. But machines, you can keep putting right. a, a huge amount of memory. And so what they do is they right. keep training the machines with more and more experiences called big data. So the big data is the experience that a human being cannot uh, remember so much big data that a machine can. And a machine never forgets. We forget. Also, it's very interesting that if you have a thousand tes Tesla uh, cars going around driving and feeding camera information and uh, when it made a left turn, right turn, whether it was a good choice, bad choice, it's learning. That learning by a thousand machine, uh, uh, Tesla uh, cars is being shared and all the Tesla cars are getting the benefit of each other's experience. Whereas right. what you are learning stays in your brain, what I'm learning stays in my brain. We do not have a collective yet. We do not have a collective thing. Also, when, when I die, I don't, there's no memory transplant. I can, I can bequeath my memory and my experience to someone else. It's gone. Whereas when the Tesla machine is finished, one car is dead, it doesn't change anything because all that learning is in the cloud. It's collective learning. So you see, the, it's totally mechanical. It is not anything to do with consciousness. But because of all these advantages, because you can have a matrix of a billion by a billion, a billion by a billion, billion rows and columns uh, you can have, and you can keep accumulating more and more experiential data. And this is so huge. And the, the amount of computing power required is absolutely phenomenal. And when there's quantum computing, it'll take it to another level still than we can do today. But these massive memories combined with massive speed of computing allow the machine learning to have more pattern recognition than humans can possibly have. So I cannot tell a person, maybe when it's dark, I cannot recognize their face. I cannot recognize when they've grown a beard maybe, but the machine has the, has the algorithms because it's looked at patterns of faces with beard, without beard. It's looked at what happens when it's five years older, 10 years older, what are all the ways of aging. So in other words, the variables that can be, uh, the machine can be trained in is far, far exceeds any human being's capacity. So I think the, the, the reason machines can become smarter than people, and then they can be making decisions that even the programmers cannot answer how the machine figured it out is entirely because of pattern recognition, where the complexity of the pattern is so much more than even the programmer. Uh, the programmer didn't program that pattern. He turned the machine loose. He said, okay, I give you a billion by billion matrix. You keep feeding from camera all the sensors and you keep making decisions and you keep figuring out which pattern of decision is good, which pattern of decision is bad. If the pattern of the street is like this, there's a bicycle here and there's a pedestrian there and the wind is blowing this way and the road is slippery, all the variables possible, 
then you know if you make a certain decision and it's right it is good you score it good if it is wrong you score it negative and you keep learning 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 until you perfect it so one day the machine is able to uh, drive faster than a human being and make fewer mistakes and drive in all kinds of weather conditions and we can so we cannot say that therefore the machine has anything to do with consciousness it's simply it's simply pattern recognition on a gigantic scale so i would say that the the fact that machines are able to do things we can't even understand is not because they have free will or any, anything to do with that uh, I, i mean there no no iota of consciousness as we understand it in the transcendent sense it is it is entirely a mechanical uh, algorithmic device that is able to far exceed human capacity yeah yeah uh, in that sense of course yes it is completely uh, accurate to the reality but in terms of human capacity the fact that we can actually reach the transcendence which is the source of all that there is as we said you know everything is made out of molecules and then atoms and atoms are made out of particles elementary particles and then we get to energy fields and as we go deeper in nature we find that these fields are more and more unified so we get to the unified field of all the laws of nature from physics and if we say that this field is actually pure consciousness it is this field that manages the universe and this field has not billions it has infinite number of computing power which maintains the forces and the laws of nature automatically and spontaneously and we talked about karma it maintains karma it maintains future perception possibilities and balances everything so what we have as humans is the ability to transcend and reach that field and if we can act from that field then we can bypass even the specific intelligence of the machines that will do practical things for us but in terms of planning the future in terms of uh, living higher levels of reality and rising in consciousness because what is after all the purpose of everything is to rise in consciousness and to reach unity consciousness in our reality so we can experience bliss consciousness because that's another thing does the machine experience happiness uh, does it experience uh, fullness does it experience uh, unity does it understand that so these are also values and so that is why it's important for us as humans to learn to transcend go beyond the surface and go to that field which computes all the trillions of potentialities and variables and act from that level of wisdom this is why in the bhagavad gita the supreme teaching of krishna on the battlefield to arjuna one you know very specific uh, direction says yoga sta kuru karmani established in being perform action why it's because then then one is beyond feelings and intellect and fighting and not on the surface level one is established in the permanent infinite computing power of natural law and its reality to create life and evolution and ability to grow and in that level one acts without uh, confusion without constraints 
and that is a state what we call cosmic consciousness in which one is always established in the transcendent and then acts from that level so that's a very beautiful way you presented it and uh, gives me the opportunity to to say that why our human responsibility is to raise our consciousness because when the machines are so advanced they're going to be dictating to us what is the best way to do when to do this when not to do that and then they can go uh, wrong and they can be used by wrong for you know fighting purposes for domination purposes for whatever so they can be directed in all kinds of ways and the bottom line is that we as a humanity we have to raise our consciousness so we are able to manage those machines rather than them with air, all their ability to compute in such an amazing way they would don't become our masters and you know we become their slaves so dr nader this is a very very good conclusion for this segment and i want to uh, continue in the next and final segment uh, taking from here taking this idea uh, and and then taking the conversation into the ethics the ethics of ai the ethics of uh, uh, you know uh, a few big tech companies owning uh, controlling everybody uh, giving up uh, taking telling you that the world is better if you turn, turn over your individuality uh, sell out your consciousness if you will we'll take care of it no such thing as <laughs> privacy uh, and, and i want to talk about it because i think we may be heading towards an oligarchy we may be heading towards another east india company like google uh, you know presenting themselves as sort of the new world system and i want to that's such a big part of my work uh, uh, that i want to dedicate a whole uh, segment to it so we'll come back uh, in segment 3 and talk about that but this has been a really wonderful discussion on uh, you know the the dance between consciousness and intelligence and where does one end and the other begin and what are the what are the uh, the uh, capabilities of co higher consciousness that uh, the level in silicon is not able to replicate and that is the difference between the uh, human transcendence and what robots can learn beautiful so, i look forward thank you for so, a wonderful episode thank you so much and we'll come back with another segment <laughs>